Hello, and welcome to our podcast, The Christmas of a Lifetime. I'm your host, Jacob Osterman, and with me, as always, is my brother, Jesse Austin Brenneman. Hey, Jesse. Merry Christmas, Jacob. Nice to uh, see you again. Merry Christmas to you, too. How have you been today? How have you been? It's the day after Thanksgiving. It is. Did you have a good uh, holiday? Let's. This is. I really think of Thanksgiving as like the pre-holiday, yeah. right? Like you're getting. It's almost like a practice for Christmas. You're getting together with family. You're having that meal, right? It's just like a little warm up. You're getting into the spirit. You're getting right into the season. I'm having a great time, Jacob. I just want to show you what I have right here. What, what do you have there? This is an audio format, so not everyone can see this. But peppermint items are back in stores, Jacob. I have a uh, candy cane green tea. That is a box of candy cane green tea. Uh, from this, I'm drinking a mug of it myself right now. This is the best blend, Jacob. No lie. I have 24 boxes in my basement right now. I'm not hoarding them. I'm not hoarding them. I buy them slowly over time so that they try and last me throughout the year because it's a limited item. Yeah, and you can't get it in February. You can't get it no. in, in July. It ends. I went January 16th last year, and they already had stopped carrying them. So I'm I'm determined to last at least until May. Well, it's funny that you mentioned January of last year, Jesse, because that's about when we started really deep diving into the Lifetime original Christmas movies. And that's, of course, the d- topic of discussion today. You know, that's right, Jacob. And, and I've really enjoyed all of our discussions over this past year where we've really gotten into really the center of the spirit of Christmas and through the medium of these lifetime Christmas movies, which, you know, we've spent a whole lifetime enjoying these movies. And I think we just are going to continue to do that. And I love that we now have this structure to be able to discuss with each other and really, really find the, find the joy in these movies. Yeah. We of course are using the magazine L they made a ranked list of all 88 at the time, original Lifetime Christmas movies, and from worst to first, wrote out which movies they liked, which movies they didn't so much appreciate. And so you and I, Jesse, have made it our goal to watch and discuss each of these Lifetime movies in order, starting at number one. And so I think that today, as we're releasing this podcast, we should go back to when we had our first discussion about the first movie that we watched together, Jesse. You know, the thing that I'm most excited before we get into this episode and relive what we, you know, our first conversation about it is that at the time we were looking at that L, you know, from the magazine L, the list of 88 movies, that ended in 2019. So that was the movies up until 2019. And in 2020, and now in 2021, Lifetime has kicked it up a notch, Jacob. I don't know if you know this. They made 30 movies last year, and this year, every <laughs> weekend in November. And I, you know, I know that we're all about the Lifetime movies here, so I feel comfortable plugging this because it's these are amazing movies that everyone should be watching. We wouldn't be um, here without them today, all right, that's Jesse? Right. So that's, that's absolutely. So I, I'm I'm very comfortable plugging the, the Lifetime channel. <laughs> With that said, I'm going to go get ready for that. But let's before we do that, let's go ahead and take a listen to this, this conversation we had about A Spirit of Christmas just a, a little under a year ago. There's snow in the air, and you can almost hear the hoofbeats of Santa's little reindeer on your roof. This week, a ghost cuts an apple with a knife 
over and over and over again. There are 29 days until Christmas, and you're listening to The Christmas of a Lifetime. Let's bring the Christmas spirit in the air, the air, and let's turn the lights down low, and make some hot cocoa, and watch the falling snow, and look at the beautiful Christmas lights, look at our favorite Christmas movies, buy the presents under the Christmas tree, so join us to have Christmas of a Welcome to the podcast, The Christmas of a Lifetime. I'm your host, Jacob Osterman, and with me today is my brother, Jesse Austin Brenneman. Jesse. Yes, Merry Merry Christmas, Jacob. Merry Christmas to you. I know that we just celebrated the holiday and we've started this uh, new project, this new podcast. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Um, really to, to share with our listeners the our joy of the season that comes with watching Lifetime movies about Christmas, which is my favorite thing about the season. I mean, there's a lot of other great aspects of it, um, but I think that watching Lifetime movies is the highlight of this uh, seasonal period every year for me. And you know what I love about it is that it starts, for me, right after Halloween. You know, there are a lot of people who say Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. you got to wait for Thanksgiving, you know, you don't want to let Christmas encroach on it. I say I start up my Christmas music November 1st, all right? Yeah. I switch out my Halloween lights for my Christmas lights. I inflate my blow-up Santa and Rudolph and Snowman and also Unicorn and put them out in the front yard, and mm -hmm. I'm ready to go. And for me, the fact that uh, the Lifetime movies start coming on then is really what I'm looking forward to most, you know, come... August, September, October, I'm starting to think about it. I'm starting to get into the spirit of the holidays. That's right. I really, I, I agree with you completely here, Jacob. We're 100% on the same page that the Lifetime movies really, not only do they teach you lessons and present heartwarming stories, but they really get me into the spirit of the season. So um, with that, I think maybe we should uh, explain a little bit about the podcast. Why are we here? What are we doing? Uh, why we're here and what we're doing is actually a bit bigger of a question than I think can be answered in a single podcast. But to sum it up succinctly, Lifetime, uh, at the time when we searched online for the list of Lifetime movies, had released 88 different Christmas original romance movies. And we found online a ranked list of all 88 someone had gone through and... L. L Magazine had gone through and ranked all 88 Lifetime movies. So thank you, L, for that. They ranked all of them, and they said, you know, if you want to, if you want to start watching, you want to really get into it. Here is our ranked list, and you know, we saw that, and we thought that you know that's a nice, fun thing to scroll through, but it also is a challenge uh, and a promise of an exciting Christmas time. And so, this podcast is our attempt to document us watching all eighty-eight Lifetime original Christmas movies, and really diving into and understanding what they have to say. So what we're going to do for this podcast is watch each Lifetime original Christmas movie in order from ranked number one to number 88. The purpose of that is that we want to start with the best and know that it is all downhill from there. That's correct. Uh, you know, and I think the, the, the great thing about this, Jacob, is that 
we really came into this genre several years ago uh, through Melissa Joan Hart, which I think we'll find out. But my hypothesis is that that she is the the best, the diamond uh, of the Lifetime Christmas movies. I consider um, her, Jesse, to be yeah. the Mrs. Claus of Lifetime yeah. Original Christmas movies. That's you know, correct. She, she's an actress. She's a producer. She is Director. in front of the camera, behind the camera, That's doing right. all sorts of things to make us the best possible Christmas movies that she can. Absolutely. So, you know, coming to the genre through MJH, I think really opened us up to just the breadth and variety of Christmas movies on the Lifetime channel. And I think once we came to it from that perspective, I think we just had to do this and watch all of them and really experience the full spectrum of Christmas situations. It's true. And what I really appreciate and truly appreciate about the Lifetime lineup is that there is such a breadth to them. You know, you have movies that are about something as simple as a woman going back to her hometown and seeing her old flame, right? But then you also have, as we'll talk about in our movie that we watched today, yeah, a ghost who comes back to life and has to teach a woman about the true meaning of romance and Christmas. And that kind of range where you, you have a lot of things that have the same shape, a lot of movies that have the same shape but have very different trappings and genres all coming together themed around Christmas. That's what's really impressive to me, that there is so much life in something so deceptively simple as a Christmas movie. Yeah, you know, and the other thing, uh, just just as a little preview here, uh, I think there's a lot of great actors in these movies. So, you know, coming up later later in the season, we'll be seeing Mark Ruffalo, Christian Chenoweth, MJH, of course, is going to make lots of appearances. So even though we get to see some new stars breaking out, you know, some of the daytime TV stars that, that we see uh, making appearances in these movies, we also get some big names coming through and, and starring or even in secondary roles uh, in these in these Lifetime movies. So that that's really exciting, too. Yeah, I'm really I'm really looking forward to seeing how the on the second day of Christmas, of course, being Mark yeah. Ruffalo's movie, how that really affected his uh, acting and how that really that he brought that experience to being the Hulk in the Avengers. So I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing a connection there. So straight through between life, those two movies. I think. I absolutely. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's, with that in mind, let's uh, go ahead and get into today's movie, Jacob, which is The Spirit of Christmas. And The Spirit of Christmas, um, just looking at Elle's list here, it's a movie from 2015 uh, starring Jen Lilly as Kate and Thomas Bodwin as Daniel Forsyth. That's right. And this is a great movie, really getting into a, a wide range of genres. I think you could classify it as a horror movie. You could a classify suspense. it as a suspense, a thriller. Thriller. Mystery. Th- romance. Mystery, murder mystery. And it uh, definitely the central story being a, a romance. Confusingly so, uh, but <laughs> definitely I think confusing. But we will get, get into that. Um, but before we start... I think that we should get into our stocking stuffer, little segment we call the stocking stuffer, where we give you a tantalizing bit of trivia about the movie before we get into it. So the stocking stuffer for today is that the star, Jen Lilly, 
is not only an actress, but a multi-hyphenate quadruple attack. So she's a singer, an actress, a producer, and an advocate. And what the stocking stuffer for today is that at the same time in 2015, when The Spirit of Christmas was debuting on the Lifetime channel, her song, her version of Jingle Bells from her Tinsel Time Christmas album, which you can find on Spotify, so go ahead and take a listen to it. It's really great. The Jingle Bells version from the Tinsel Time Christmas album was the theme song for another Christmas movie on the Hallmark Channel. So if in 2015 you were watching uh, Hallmark, the Lifetime Channel, uh, you would have seen Jill, Jen Lilly all over your screen. So uh, really a great year for her uh, kicking off sort of her entrance into the original TV movies about Christmas. That's what I really love about the Hallmark, about the Lifetime sort of ecosystem around Christmas is that you see these people coming back again and again to do more and more of these Christmas-related ventures. And that just mm -hmm. really speaks to me that these people, the actors, the actresses, directors, everybody involved in making these movies, they're not just there for a paycheck, you know, for a simple cash-in. They're there because they love Christmas and they want to bring that love to the people who are going to watch these movies. They're there all year round bringing Christmas cheer. And that's what I really love about the Lifetime and the Hallmark Channel. Yeah. All right. So let's tell uh, everyone what this movie is about. So we've done our stocking stuffer. Uh, we've opened up our stocking, uh, taking out that piece of tantalizing trivia. And now, what is this movie about? Because I still have questions, Jacob. My brother and I, of course, we saw this movie. Uh, we sat and we watched it. We were live chatting through it and really trying to dig into what this movie is. So in a brief summary, uh, the movie opens with a man being murdered. Now, this is not a common way to get into a Christmas movie, but I thought it was appropriate due to the fact that this movie is all about ghosts. Yeah. The man is murdered. A hundred years later, a woman needs to sell the inn that the man owned. This woman, of course, Jen Lilly, playing Kate, a real estate agent who is tasked by her, shall we say, Scrooge of a boss to sell this inn before Christmas. She tries to go and sell the inn, but trying to get an appraisal in, Daniel Forsythe, the man who was murdered, appears as a ghost and scares off all four of the appraisers that are sent to the inn. Realizing that this is going to be a serious problem for her, Kate heads down to, <laughs> heads down to sunny New England to examine the inn and really learn why this inn just can't be sold. In doing so, she meets Daniel Forsythe and the whole cast of characters who also love Christmas and this inn. And she decides to solve the mystery of why Daniel was murdered. In doing so, she and Daniel solve the crime, but more importantly, they solve the mystery of love. You know, that's a really good summary, Jacob. And what I appreciate about that is that you summarized all three movies that are in this movie at the same time in a, in a, in a single thread, which is, which is really the needle that this this movie is trying to thread um so i think if we get into it we see that the first one is sort of this murder mystery where that we start with which is where daniel forsyth gets murdered and then throughout the movie 
we are learning from ghosts and flashbacks and and daniel is remembering different things slow motion montages slow motion montages we're learning about how and why he was murdered and what is the lesson that we can draw from that the second movie really is a ghost movie where we are learning that ghosts exist that the afterlife is real that the afterlife is real and we're learning through these ghosts, how do the ghosts affect, what there are then multiple ghosts that's revealed, which we don't know at the beginning. So we're learning about all these rules about how the ghosts work, why they appear, how they appear, and we're trying to figure that out. And then the third one really is this, uh, what I will call a real estate property movie, where a lawyer from Boston has three weeks in order to settle an estate in order to achieve a promotion, and she's trying to get this in appraised. Um, And is having trouble selling the inn. And throughout the whole movie, what we're learning is, A, how much is this inn really worth? And then B, uh, who can actually, can we actually find a buyer in time? And the central conflict of that movie is, will the inn be sold or not? And to whom? What I really like about the sort of third movie that you've outlined here, this real estate movie, is that the fact that this movie has ghosts and it raises the question of, is there heaven and... What do you have to do to get to heaven? Is not the most complicated part of this movie. It really is the Byzantine trusts and wills and stipulations that surround the fact that she needs to sell this in. In three weeks. In three weeks. That's right. Which, as we all know, in Boston would be very easy. Would be a very easy sell. If you have something go on the market in Boston, two days, it's gone. But out in Western Massachusetts, where this movie takes place... The idea that someone would need to sell an inn, which is a very large property, a very burdensome thing to manage. This is true. I don't understand whether whether there were tax implications that required it to be sold within the three weeks. I know that they wanted to close it before the end of the year, but it seemed to me that like the fiscal year is not at the calendar year. So it was unclear to me why the trust needed to be do it within the three weeks um right but it is that is the engine that's propelling the movie forward in terms of the sense of urgency they feel uh that kate the the lawyer feels in order to do that i'll just read you jacob the summary the official summary for this movie which is kate a workaholic lawyer has three weeks to get a haunted bed and breakfast appraised and sold so that's that real estate movie The uncooperative manager claims a spirit who lives there will not approve. With Kate's possible promotion resting on accomplishing this task, she checks in and haggles with the aforesaid Christmas spirit, who suspiciously seems awfully solid for a ghost. Now, here's the thing. That's from IMDb, of course. Um, So that doesn't mention any of the romantic movie between the ghost, between Daniel, who is the ghost, and, and Kate, the workaholic lawyer. And, um, but, you know, again, mentions this real estate movie, which I do think is central to the plot, but doesn't really fit in with any of the other themes that the movie is actually covering. So very exciting. Um, and, and with that, Jacob, shall we get into our Christmas confusions? I think that's a great thing to start with, Jesse, because, you know, we watch this movie and we encourage you, as we will with every movie that we watch, we encourage you to... Go and watch the movie. Pause here if you need to. Uh, take take some it's time. It's on Amazon it's, Prime. It's available for free if you have Amazon Prime. So go ahead and watch it. Come back. Uh, we'll wait. Okay. 
Uh, so you've seen the movie now, and I'm sure that you have a lot of questions hanging around uh, that we like to call our Christmas confusions. Things that didn't quite make sense to us and that we really need to talk about in order to truly understand this movie and understand what it's trying to teach us. Mm-hmm. Jake, what was the first question you had uh, after watching this movie? After I saw the movie, the credits roll, I'm listening to the Christmas music play, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, is heaven real in this universe? Ghosts yeah, are it was real. Unclear. They keep disappearing. The ghosts keep disappearing. And in fact, at one point, what I thought was interesting was the CGI difference between when he disappears the first time to prove to Kate that he's a ghost mm-hmm. and the time when his wife leaves, when the wife leaves, she has sort of like a gold yellowish halo around her disappearing. So she's like, okay, we're going to now go this. Now we're finally free to leave. We've resolved all of our, our issues. We've learned the lessons, the, the reasons we've been stuck here as a ghost. Let's go ahead and leave. And she leaves and there's a difference. So I don't know if when he's disappearing in the prior times before he resolves his issues, where is he going? In the second one, it seems clear that they're going to heaven. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I don't. It's, it's very unclear. It, it's important to note that there are a lot of rules around being a ghost in this universe. Now, Daniel Forsyth, this 1950, 1915, you know, uh, rum runner, bootlegger, uh, inn owner, uh, his, he himself, I think, was a uh, triple threat as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has a lot of rules around being a ghost. First of all, he only manifests during the 12 days between December 12th and December 24th. Those are the only times that he can manifest as a solid entity in the end that's right and unlike our unlike our understanding of most ghosts he actually has a corporeal presence right like he's physically solid this is brought up multiple times as like how do i know you're a ghost if you can if i can touch you right and so there's one point where he needs to prove to her that he's a ghost so he walks to the edge of the estate leans backwards and disappears that's correct. Proving to her that he is confined to the space around the inn. Whether that's property lines or maybe some natural boundaries, we don't know. And we're not given any more information about that. But we just know that he can't leave the inn. Additionally, he eats, which is brought up a lot in the movie that he eats. He doesn't need to eat, but he likes the sensation. And so we'll often see him in this movie cutting an apple with a knife and then eating the slices off of the knife. That happens multiple times in the movie. He also will sit down at a dinner table, have a plate of food in front of him, stand up, move to another part of the table where there's another plate that he also set for himself at a different spot, sit down and continue eating while they're having a conversation. You know, I think the the weird thing is like, he's really doing this sort of sensation seeking. Right. You know, that sort of, one of one another of the rules of the ghosts is that he's coming back for 12 days. He only has these 12 days to be there. What, what does his purpose in being there? You would think maybe he's trying to resolve his murder. He's trying, you know, there's something keeping him there. And that is in the end what he gets to. But when we first meet him, he his really, his only purpose is to experience sensations that he can only have while he's alive. But, but is he alive? And and that was that was 
really interesting to me is that when we meet him, he has completely given up on solving his murder. That's right. He knows that he was murdered, but yeah. he's not interested and doesn't seem to have just, ever been interested just, in it, answering that question. He's interested in tasting ham. That's what he's interested in. He's interested ham, in apples. Eat, uh, apples, eating apples, slicing apples, eating them with a knife in a very weird way. Why can't you just eat an apple like a normal apple? Take a bite of the apple. Or if you if you really need the th- sharp slices, cut the apple all at once. That's right. And then ha- eat the apple slices separately. Is this something that we think is was occurring in the early 1900s that we just don't know about? That maybe this is how people ate apples and they're signifying he's old-timey through slicing the apple? I think they're trying to signify that he has a knife and that makes him a bad boy. Oh, okay. That's Part of his, his uh, rum-running past and his criminal past signified in the fact that he does eat an apple with a knife. Yeah. The question of the afterlife and spirits is brought up again when later in the movie we find out that not only is Daniel Forsyth a spirit, so too is his wife and in the shocking climax of the film, his cousin, who it turns out was his murderer. That's right. So here's the thing. Uh, I think that we said multiple times. First, it's like, this is a ghost movie. And then it was like, oh, no, second ghost. Right. While we were watching this. And then eventually third ghost, question mark. Right. And so each reveal, it's, you know, we're finding out, okay, here's the supernatural things are happening. But the ghost that we thought was causing them was here with us. Right. And so we just keep getting this layered reveal of, oh, there's another ghost. And then another ghost. Right? Unknowns, unbeknownst to the previous ghost. So the ghosts don't all know about each other. Right? So Daniel doesn't know that his wife is a ghost and is still there. And both of them don't know that Charles is still there also as a ghost. Right. So I don't know. I was very confused by that part. The interesting thing to me is that the rules don't apply equally to all the ghosts. First, Daniel Forsyth has been a ghost for 100 years and has never seen his wife. So his wife must not manifest during these 12 days before Christmas as Daniel Forsyth does. We learn later that uh, his, his wife has... It's described as a curse or as a blessing or a miracle alternatively during the movie, but... His wife has condemned Daniel to come to life these 12 days before Christmas to learn the true meaning of Christmas, which is coming back home and being with your family at Christmas time. Now, in 2020, this is kind of a dangerous lesson to learn. But again, yes. this movie was 2015. It was a different different time. We're looking back. Not to digress, okay, because I know we don't like digressions here, but it is historically accurate to have electric Christmas lights, although they would have only been among the most wealthy. They were not widespread until later in the uh, 1920s. But they were uh, invented in the late 1800s. And so the Christmas lights that we see uh, around the house, around this mansion, mm-hmm. um, in the beginning of the movie where he's where he gets murdered, he sees the string of Christmas lights. I was initially thrown off by light saying, you know, should they have electric lights? But those were period appropriate and would have been globes as they were shown there. And it's also important to note that the reason that Daniel in the movie gets into bootlegging is that 
the N is not doing well. The N is uh, running at a deficit. They are having serious monetary problems. And he feels the need to have a lot of money in order to impress his wife and keep her living the life that she's accustomed to. That's correct. This, we learn later on, is of course not what Kate was interested in, not what she wanted, not what she was looking for. Uh, you know, so can we just talk, uh, uh, I really, I wrote down about this 12 days thing. So throughout the movie, we, you know, learning the rules of these ghosts, he can only be alive for 12 days between the, the 12th and the 24th. Mm-hmm. And this is the curse, turns out is the curse from his wife. But throughout, people are like, why is it 12 days? And nobody is making this connection to the 12 days of Christmas. That was another and... Christmas confusion for me. <laughs> it was absolutely confusing. So everyone's like, why is it 12 days? And I think the audience was left thinking, 12 days of Christmas, that's immediate. But it turns out, it just happens to be the day that he left. And in fact, the 12 days of Christmas run from Christmas until 3 Teens Day in, in January. And so... Really, there's no connection to the 12 days of Christmas, and it's it's weird or confusing that they chose 12 as the number of days that... They could have chosen any number. It could have been a week. They could have been, you know, the month of December. Yes. Kate learns of this in, at, in November, and she decides that she needs to go out there December 1st. That's when the ghost is manifesting. December 1st, December 24th. She has three and a half weeks. It makes much more sense to me that she could meet this, again, supernatural ghost fall in love with him, decide to start a life with him, uh, abandoning her job and all of her responsibilities in Boston. In three and a half weeks, as compared to the one and a half weeks w- in which all of this information and is learned and all of these changes occur in the universe of this movie. You know, uh, while we're talking about confusing ghost things, um, we know that he has a corporeal presence. Can he die again? If he was shot, let's say within those 12 days, what would happen? That is a really good question. And actually, when he introduced himself as a ghost and he was trying to convince Kate that he was a ghost, I felt that the easiest thing to do is perhaps he's got a knife because he's cutting apples all the time. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, cut his finger and show that he doesn't bleed or disappear and reappear in front of her uh, without having to travel to the edge of the estate. There's lots of confusing rules around this that are just never clarified. Yeah. The cousin, so in the end of the movie, the cousin comes back. And we we learn through dialogue that his original appearances as a ghost, he tried to solve his murder mystery with his cousin as his uh, sort of co-detective. Right? right. The cousin, of course, died many years later. Died many years later. And the cousin who is the murderer sort of obfuscates or sabotages the investigation. So they never find out what happens um, because of course, Charles, the cousin is the murderer. um, So he's leading him off the trail. But when we see the cousin as a ghost, the cousin is from that same year has the appearance of the 29, the 1919 version of Charles. And so I was left wondering why is he not, the old ghost. So if he dies many years later, why has he not aged? Yeah, why has he not aged? Why is he reappearing as a ghost as the young version um, of his of himself? So that's these rules around the ghost very complex because they're not traditional ghost rules. I would say 
the solid body, the fact that he eats, the fact that he changes clothes multiple times, Ghost's famously known for wearing what they died in their yes. entire ghost lifetime. Right. Or or having sort of... Uh, well, you know, I don't know. Does, does Beetlejuice seems to change clothes, I think, if I recall from that movie. But again, that's sort that's of true. an outlier. But an Be- outlier. And Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, not exactly a ghost, right? Yeah, that's Beetlejuice true. is some, something of a spirit, something of a poltergeist, something yeah. of a demon. It's really unclear in the movie. Uh, I think... The rules in that movie, of course, uh, around bureaucracy and around long lines, I think more understandable than those in Spirit of Christmas. That's true. But that's a that's a discussion, I think, for another time. It, it also, uh, you know, the, even with the Spirit of Christmas title, it doesn't connect to some of the most famous Christmas spirits being the spirits from the uh, Christmas Carol. Right. Again, There's... still not following any of those rules. So it's really creating this new universe of ghost logic that i think is not shared by many other i mean there are many other romantic movies romances that deal with ghosts and and falling in love with someone from the past you know sort of this out of time tale right uh, love out of time and uh this really just throws away that whole rule book and and comes up with a new one that i i don't think it explains very well and I think that that is partially, I think that's on purpose. I think that's a conscious decision on the part of the screenwriter and the director to throw away those conventions. And the final shot of the movie is Kate. She's distraught because it is December 25th. It's Christmas Day. She knows, according to the rules that have long been established in this movie, that Daniel is going to disappear Christmas Eve and she'll never see him again until next year. And she's coming to terms with that. And then off in the distance, she sees Daniel running towards her through the snow. And there is a simple line of dialogue where he says, I'm back. Let's do this. And they embrace. They share a passionate kiss. And that kind of no explanation for it, no reason why Daniel is still allowed to be present. I think it's a conscious decision on the part of the filmmakers to say, look, love transcends the written rules of everything including the supernatural uh laws laid down uh in the previous 90 minutes exactly yeah so i think i think that that while confusing to the audience and perhaps unnecessarily so uh was a decision by the director by the screenwriter to really highlight the theme of the movie which is love breaks all the rules yeah you know that's a great point and i think that um you know, one of, I think, the main thing for me was that we didn't really understand what the rules that were being broken were. Mm-hmm. So it was hard to know when we were just following a rule we didn't know about or when we were mm-hmm. breaking a rule through the power of love. And I think they also didn't tell us how they broke the rule at the end, which was a really disappointing part. Right. Um, I We would be remiss here, Jacob, if we didn't mention... Uh, the real confusing part, which is the character of the wife. So his wife Correct. is teaching him this lesson, trying to teach him this lesson by cursing also, him to be a goat. Just very, very, very quickly. Her name in the movie is Lily, which is going to be confusing when we talk about Jen Lily, who is the actress who plays Kate, right. who is the roman- main romantic interest, the main character of this yeah. movie. That's correct. So Lily, the wife, um, why is she cool? 
with her husband who she's trying to teach this lesson of the importance of family at Christmas time, just like making out with this woman that he's known for 12 days and then not going to heaven with the wife. The wife says, hey, let's go to heaven together. You've learned your lesson. You're free. And he's like, okay, but I want to stay here with this other woman that I just made out with in front of you. Right. And then she's like, okay, that's cool. It's your choice. Go ahead. I think that we need to examine the time. We need to like very strictly lay out the timeline of what's happening here. So 1919. Yeah. Daniel Forsyth decides to become a bootlegger in order to uh, keep his wife in the lifestyle to which she was accustomed. Right. So he decides to become a bootlegger. He goes off. He's bringing rum back into the States from Canada. His wife gives him the ultimatum. He needs to be back by Christmas Eve if he still wants to be part of this marriage because she loves him, but she won't put up with him being away for long periods of time. So he's murdered. He becomes a ghost. We learn later that his wife, Kate, uh, his wife, Lily, uh, also uh, passes away uh, shortly after childbirth. Uh, and Daniel begins a 95 year journey of coming back every year as a ghost. He comes back as a year. He tries to solve his murder for a little bit with his cousin, gives up on that and just settles for terrorizing the people who would stay at the inn during Christmas. Cut cut to 2015 when the movie takes place. December 12th, Kate shows up. 12 days later, Daniel has abandoned his wife to go to heaven without him in order to stay on earth with this woman who he has known for, again, 12 days. That, to me, is a Bold choice on the part of the (laughs) filmmakers to emphasize that the important relationship here is not the one of the woman who became a ghost and waited for her husband for a hundred years. It is the woman who is a real estate agent and showed up. Well, she's a lawyer. She's not even a real estate agent. But now that you bring that up, uh, I let's just get into that because. I think that we have we've talked a lot about the romance. We've talked a lot about the sort of love triangle, if you will, um, with Lily, Kate, Daniel. But we haven't talked about the main plot of the movie, which is the appraisal of this house. Okay, the driving so action. Let's lay out. Let's everything. lay out the timeline here. Kate, the workaholic lawyer, finds out from her boss they have this trust. They need to wrap it up before Christmas. He's going to the Bahamas. He's checking in throughout the three weeks saying, just get this appraisal done. We need to sell this house. We can't sell it without an appraisal. Um, Eventually, it turns out two weeks in, she goes back to Boston. Uh, Her boss summons her back to the main office, says, look, it's done. We got the appraisal because Daniel allows the the appraiser to come in because he's He's learned. He's learned that it's okay. They can sell the house. It's fine. Um... So they get the end, they get it appraised, they're going to sell it. Um, And then it's sold to the caretaker manager, Walter, and his new girlfriend, Molly. Molly is the money. She's running another hospitality venture nearby. I think it's a pub, maybe, that's mentioned. Um, She does catering. She does catering. So they buy the inn together and are going to be running it together. So that's nice. But... You know, we go through three appraisal appraisers in the beginning that get scared away by the ghost. 
I'll also note that I saw a lot of horizontal cracks. There's multiple shots on the staircase of right. a horizontal crack on the wall. And horizontal cracks are never good. That's going to lower your values uh, immediately. Right. That's a sign of poor upkeep. That's a sign. Well, that well it's foundation there structural, issues. Structural. There are structural, structural issues. foundation issues. Absolutely. And so you're going to want to get that really well appraised. And so we have all this buildup to the appraisal. And then it's just like, oh, the house is, the inn has been sold to Molly and Walter. And there's no mention of what the appraisal actually was or how much it was worth. Right. So the people who, for them, you know, for, for you, for me, yeah. for the people who the real estate story was the most compelling part of it, this yes. is a real letdown. It's a you real know, letdown. We, so we I'm going to reveal right now, Jacob, I know you don't okay. know this, so this is this is going to come as a shock to you, okay? The inn is, they filmed at, okay, the Proctor okay. Mansion Inn in Rentham, Massachusetts, which is at 36 okay. Common Street. Zillow gives us an estimate of $796,640. So now we know that's the answer to the movie. We could have ended it there. All right? They could have just looked on Zillow. If they had just looked on Zillow, 20, they, they could Zillow have Zillow has it. all the comps. It Zillow has all takes the care comps. of that for you. It does all of that for you. It's even giving us a range. It could go as low as 725, could go up to 876, but we think the estimate 796 640 that seems a fair price for this that Molly and Walter sh- Molly and Walter could have paid to uh, have this uh, in, you know, uh, in Rentham, Massachusetts uh, to sell that. That, of course, is 2020. We could go back to 2015 uh, and, and check it out. The, um, the housing market very different back then, of course. You could go to history. open houses. So 2015, we actually, it's gone up a lot. So in 2015... Uh, this is would have been valued around six hundred and sixty-five thousand. So you would have gained right. a lot. So Walter and Molly, I think, are going to do all right with this, even just from a real estate transaction perspective. Right. Which is the way that I, I really was viewing this movie. So uh, I, I'm I glad also, we got the answer to to that question. I also have to wonder, Jesse. Uh, yeah. How does having a ghost in the house affect the value? Are you going to look at a serious decrease in the appraisal because the appraiser was scared off by ghosts the first several times? So is he going to uh, appraise the house at a much lower value? Say, all right, there's clearly supernatural happening. I have evidence about this. this." Okay, so this movie comes out in 2015. Right. And January 26th. So, yeah. So, again... December 20, according to Zillow, mm-hmm. December 2015, this home is, is 685K. Okay. okay. January 2016, 758K. Okay. So clearly so the, the value has skyrocketed. Is at least seven, and then it goes up to, to 770 where we are now almost immediately and plateaus around that point. Okay. So I think this really, this is a spirit bump, if you will, on the Proctor Mansion property. The movie comes out, people learn there's a ghost there, they want to go, they want to get uh, see him eat an apple, they want to see him eat bartend. Uh, yeah. So, so this is going to raise the value. That's, that's very good to know. And for me, that resolves really the, the outlying question of 
just how, how much is this in worth that they're willing to put up with all of these ghost-related shenanigans? That's right. So, uh, you know, I think we've solved the movie. All right. Well, uh, after after all of those and very, very confusing things, I think we should go to our next section, which is Christmas themes. What did we learn about Christmas from this movie? It's titled The Spirit of Christmas. We should be learning something central about the Christmas holiday and what we should be doing and, and or behaving or acting. What is the Christmas theme that came out to you strongest in this movie, Jacob? So the Christmas theme that I got from the movie is really take time off from your job. Your job's not that important. You know, whatever you're doing, whatever, whatever you're high profile career wise that you're working on, just ignore that. Skip the important networking events. Go hang out with your ghost friends. Uh, and everything will work out okay. That was that. That was what spoke to me the most. I know that the movie was really interested in this idea of being home for Christmas, coming home for Christmas. You know, we didn't actually we we learned almost nothing about Kate's family. Now that we bring this up, exactly. where was Kate's home? Like there, she, she says at the beginning, "I never have any Christmas plans." Right. We we never hear like, does she have family? Does she have parents? Where does she have siblings? And it's not unusual for a protagonist in a Christmas movie such as this to be an orphan, yeah, uh, to have no family. But she never says that. Yeah, I don't and think so. And if she were an orphan, she definitely would have said it at some point because that would be critical to establish. Well, she does actually. She says that she her parents are divorced, so she has okay. parents. But wouldn't you like call your parents even if they're divorced, like? Maybe you would call them and say, hey, I'm in an inn. It's haunted. Yeah. If I'm murdered by a ghost, please send, yeah. you know, yeah. someone, yeah, ghost hunters, somebody to come and exercise this haunted inn. Yeah, I'll be honest. But, I don't I don't think that even though it's called the spirit of Christmas, I didn't. It was set at Christmas. I, there right. weren't a lot of strong Christmas themes. I think there are many of the other Lifetime movies that we've seen have a lot stronger sort of moral lessons about the meaning of Christmas than, than right. this movie did. This movie, much like my other favorite Christmas movie, uh, Die yeah. Hard, is yeah. more set around Christmas rather That's than correct. being about Christmas. That's correct, yes. All right, well, given that we didn't learn very much about Christmas in our first episode, we'll hope in uh, future episodes to learn more about Christmas, and I'm sure that I... we will. I think Mark Ruffalo is going to teach me a little something about the holidays, Jesse. Yeah, I think that in our oh. next move, in our next movie, uh, we'll learn a, a bit more. Uh, but before we before we end with that, let's go to our New Year's resolutions. So the New Year's resolutions. That's when we, you know, we have all these Christmas confusions about uh, the spirit of Christmas. And in New Year's resolutions, we like to talk about how would we resolve some of these questions. So let's, uh, let's pick a question and yeah. think about how would we tweak the movie? How would we change the movie to really answer and resolve that kind of lingering tension? We talked about the appraisal. If they had yeah. just said, hey, it's $700,000, that would have, for me, fixed the movie, go from an 8 out of 10 to a 10 out of 10. But let's talk about something else. So what 
what question do you have that you think uh, we could resolve here on the podcast? Yeah, so I think the question, the main question is the ending of this movie. I think the rest of the movie, yes, there's confusing parts to it. We don't know all the rules. But but the ending where Daniel chooses not to go with his wife into the afterlife and come back and be with Kate uh, permanently uh, just left us with a lot of questions. And I think that if right. we were writing the movie... We would want to at least leave some sort of resolution for the for the audience. So, um, what is your proposal? How should we answer this question? Resolve this question of how does the ghost come to life permanently in order to fulfill the romantic relationship with Kate? Right. So for me, it's important to remember that not only is uh, Daniel's wife in the afterlife, but his child is also in the in the afterlife. Uh, who Daniel never got to meet. Uh, that, for me, says Daniel really needs to move on. His yeah. whole arc in this movie is learning to accept family and to accept Christmas. And so he does that. He's, it's time for him to move on. But he's established a relationship of passionate kissing and slow motion hugging and falling uh, with Kate during this movie. So that relationship also needs to continue right so for me i think we need to do the classic maneuvering to get around this problem where daniel moves on but his great nephew daniel forsyth the third shows up as the yes. inheritor of the trust that's right so we we learned there's no errors which is why they want to sell this in but i think they could have resolved all of that by having daniel forsyth the third show up as an unknown and perhaps Kate discovers his existence through learning the solution to the murder mystery through mm -hmm. learning about his child um and then finding this descendant so he inherits the the inn becomes the inn he continues to employ Walter as the caretaker and is played by the same actor as Daniel so he looks exactly the same maybe a slightly different haircut I know we didn't right. get into the haircut, but, you know, maybe a slightly different haircut. He's a modern that... version of Daniel. He has all the same characteristics. She immediately just transfers all of her emotions to this new Daniel. And then that is the resolution of the romantic relationship. And I think that we signal in this alternate movie, I think that yeah. we signal that this Daniel Forsyth III is embodying the previous Daniel by having him eat an apple with a knife sliced by <laughs> Yes, that is the perfect so he, connection. He appears, he walks in, he goes, oh, that's a nice apple. I think I'll have a slice. And he cuts himself a slice and she looks at him and there's an immediate understanding. There's some chemistry between them. There's knowledge that this relationship will continue mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in this great nephew of the original ghost man. So, um, yeah, I think that that would have been a much better ending. I think we were both very disappointed by the ending to the movie. So right. I think this is a resolution that probably should have happened and we would like to see happen. So if anyone's out there remaking The Spirit of Christmas, could largely be the same, uh, but just with a different ending. All right. So uh, our, for our final segment, I think we're going to do our White Elephant Exchange. Speaking of how we might have made the same movie slightly differently... You know, the main reason that we love Lifetime Christmas movies is the connection between the title and the plot. I think Lifetime Christmas movies have the best titles of any movie genre. No question. 
we're looking at movies like Feliz Navi Dad, yes, which is a movie a about a dad at Christmas. Uh, quality. It, it feels to me oftentimes that the screenwriters come up with the name of the movie first based off of some pun around Christmas and then really come together to think about what kind of movie would fit that title the best. And that's what we want to do here. Yeah, that's what we're going to do here. So if you were going to do a movie titled The Spirit of Christmas, what would the plot be? So for me, if I'm doing a movie it's called The Spirit, someone comes to me, they says, hey, wouldn't it be funny if you had a movie called The Spirit of Christmas? I think first, they did a good thing with going with a ghost. Spirit, yes. ghost, very good connection. However, I would have gone a slightly different direction. I would have set this same in, same characters. Yes. The ghost, exactly the same, except he's not a ghost. He's just a bootlegger. This is a man who deals with the spirits of Christmas. So we're talking your peppermint schnapps. Yeah. We're talking your... Very, you're, we're talking your spiced rum. Yeah, that he, this guy is transporting uh, illegal contraband goods back and forth, Canada to the U.S., and yeah. he meets a woman who is going to teach him the meaning of Christmas. Is not about illegally acquiring spirits; it's about sharing those spirits with those you love. That's the movie that I'm writing for. The spirit of Christmas. Well, Jacob, you know, we think very similarly. Um, I think that the spirit pun in terms of spirits as liqueurs, if you will, the Christmas liqueurs, the peppermint schnapps, the, uh, you know, the hot toddies, the, the, the spiked eggnog, if you will, with rum. Um, exactly, these are all exactly. things. I think that the movie, um, I would be in a completely different modern setting Okay. And it would be centered around a holiday spirits, again, holiday liqueurs competition. Okay. Where you have rival distillers, a man and a woman who are rival distillers of these holiday drinks. And they have to win the competition. But in competing with each other, they realize how much they have in common and they fall in love. And that is the conflict of the movie is, do they betray each other? Their, 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 their budding romance in order mm -hmm. to win the competition and perhaps win a cash prize to save their distillery that's having financial trouble? Or do they, at the end, of course, come together and form a joint microbrewery or microdistillery to create right. a new brand uh, named The Spirit of Christmas? Na yeah, of course. And, and, of and course. The, the, the prize they would be winning would be the spirit of Christmas prize, right? So they would right. be named the 2015 spirit of Christmas. Um, and that would be what, the, what the movie is about. All right. Well, uh, Jesse, Jake, uh, hold on, hold on, Jeff. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing some, I'm hearing some chains rattling on the stair. What's, what's that? What's it's that the noise? Ghost of Christmas future. Jacob, you have seen this movie before. Um, what is, and what is that? What, in who, episode who is that two, in episode two of our podcast, we will be watching L's, the ranking from L.com. The second movie on the list is on the second day of Christmas from 1997. And this, and of course. I just want to get, get everyone excited about this because the first line of the L ranking is everyone has to start somewhere. Mark Ruffalo, Oscar nominated actor, and everyone's favorite hunky hulk took an early shot with this made-for-TV Christmas romance. So already I'm invested. I'm all in on 
on the second day of Jacob, Christmas. Jacob, can I read you the tagline for this movie? Please, please. After they are caught in the act, a by-the-book department store security guard is assigned as the custodian of a pickpocketing duo. Oh, no. The hijinks. And the hijinks They're, I think, going to learn happen. a little bit about the meaning of Christmas. I, I completely agree, and I think so will we. So it's been great getting into this with you. Uh, Merry Christmas again, and let's uh, keep this spirit going throughout the year. Because that truly, to me, Jesse, will make this the Christmas of a lifetime. <laughs> and I do, I, I am going to go back and edit in the chain noise into yeah. this, into yeah, the I Ghost of Christmas agree. Future uh, right. segment. Join us This will be a very special Christmas for you, me, and KKP. So join us to have, have a Christmas of a lifetime. Christmas of a lifetime, So join us to have, have a Christmas of a lifetime. Let's just get into it before we uh, actually let's let's try that again. So <laughs> before we move on, let's just get into today's movie. Well, let's just get straight into it with today's movie, Jacob, which is we'll have we'll have three introductions. To that's the right. Movie. That's right. Three introductions. I'm keeping all of this in. Keeping all of this in. The, th- uh, the movie, of course, is The Spirit of Christmas, 2015, starring Jen Lilly as Kate and Thomas Bod- uh, Bodwin. Yeah. All right. We're going to keep that in too. Thomas Bodwin as Daniel Forsyth. 